0: So, I just heard some disturbing shit, right? I'm uh, talking to my man. And we're going to keep this shit anonymous to, as much as we can. So, I'm talking to my man. He he work at this job, right? And he been having an issue with his supervisor or superior or whatever. So, basically, he ends up talking to... Because he was advised to talk to somebody in the union of the company. The person that's head of the union of this company tells him that the way the company is structured, the company that he works for, the way this shit is structured, is that the supervisors are like the parents, The employees are like the children. And the building is like the house. So you got to pretty much do what the parents say. Dog, you talking about somebody dumbfounded? I couldn't believe. He said it was a black man. The dude is a black man that said that. You know what I'm saying? I could not believe that a black man would say that to another black man. I couldn't believe that shit. I was sitting there thinking, like, he said that he told the dude, like, I understood. Whole time he was just fucked up. The nigga said that, but I'm not like I I always say this. I never say what I would say or what I would do in in somebody else's moment because I'm not in that moment. But I tell you like this, I'd have walked away and thought about this. I'd if I'm still employed at that job, I'd be coming that motherfucker with a new attitude. Like, fuck, I don't know. These motherfuckers, my parents? Like, first of all, I'm a grown-ass motherfucking man, first of all. I got two parents. That's it. Ain't none of these motherfuckers my parents? I've been in jail. No way if I work anywhere, ain't nobody my motherfucking parents. We all adults. You know what I'm saying? It's like, the fuck, I don't even, I couldn't believe that this nigga, that's some house nigga shit. I can't believe this nigga said that to another black man. It's like, dog, with, the, with these days, with the shit that's going on in the world, Shit that's going on in the news. Like, nigga, do you watch the fucking news? With social media and and this, like, mini race war that we got going on and motherfuckers struggling to survive in this modern-day fucking slavery, slave mentality shit that's going on. You going to say some old monkey house nigga shit like that? I know I would never respect him. I don't know how often he see this dude or he going to see him, but I would never respect him out of that. That, was, that shit kind of disturbed me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, God damn, is this how motherfuckers, this how some motherfuckers thinking out here? I tell you, the motherfuckers suck my dick. Straight like that. Suck my dick. Ain't none of these motherfuckers. Ain't nobody. My parent, but my parent. Suck my dick. You, We need to be treating each other with respect, plain and simple. All that other shit, suck my motherfucking dick, plain and simple. I just thought that was some crazy-ass shit for a nigga to say to another nigga. <laughs> That's some house nigga shit. If I ain't never heard it, I swear. But, you know, kind of on that note. um, That's why, man, that's why we got to work on shit like that. That's why you got to try and work on doing your own thing. You know what I'm saying? Because you working for people. And because when my man was telling me that story. He felt like. It kind of put things in perspective on why shit goes down at his job the way, way it does. Because he said he just have issues with the, his management and his supervisor. And they ain't real, you know what I'm saying? He feel like they're not the most respectful motherfuckers. And uh, he, when, when the dude told him that, he felt like that's what is being taught to these motherfucking management and supervisor motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Because this dude, like, headed the motherfucking union rep. So he just walked away like, man, this is what these motherfuckers teach them. That's why they walking around acting the way they act and have the lack of respect for employees and shit that they do. But that's just a, man, that's just a sign that motherfuckers need to figure out a way to do their own thing, man. If you got any ideas, you need to shoot because you never know what will work. Anything will work. I believe anything you do will work if you stay consistent. If you stay consistent at it and work on your craft and try to perfect your craft and improve your craft, you know what I'm saying? I think anything you do will work. Personally, that's how I feel. You, but you just, you know, you got to be willing to do it. But you don't want to be working at no establishment where motherfuckers looking at you like a child. You 30 years old. You know what I'm saying? That's why, that's why I'm kind of glad I got some of the friends that I got, you know what I'm saying? Because I got inspiring ass friends. I got friends that's into shit like trying to start businesses and control their own destiny and that shit kind of trickles down on the people around them. You see people doing shit like that that inspires you that it can be done. You know what I'm saying? Like I look at my man T, right? My man Travis. Got all type of businesses and shit going on and I give him props all the time because I'm glad I'm proud of what he's doing. It's inspiring to... Us, his friends around him, and shit like that. And not only that, he helps. He helps out people in his own community and people of his likeness that's trying to do the same thing. And I'm going to give you an example, right? So, when his brother, our man, man, Fly Tie, rest, rest in peace, Fly Tie, man. When Fly Tie passed away, when it came down to having the funeral, right? Your man Travis put the whole thing together. Now what he did, I'm gonna tell you what he did. First of all, I saw him, he he had the funeral at a black funeral home. Right? A black owned funeral home. Bam, right there. One thing. He needed uh, RIP shirts made up. Some some shirts made up of fly tie, you know what I'm saying? Boom, he came to me. Had me make them. Boom, another black owned company. He supported. Boom, you know what I'm saying? Then, he had the, uh, the, uh, what you call it? The after funeral thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you get together. The repass, I think it's the repass. He had the repass at this establishment that was black owned. Boom. And then to top it all off, the food was catered by our man's mother, um, uh, my man Dominique mother, big saint. Boom, she catered the uh, whole joint. Your man did this whole funeral thing and and employed an all-black staff to, to handle all of the business and everything was a success, you know what I'm saying? And that's how you do it. That's how you get out of this motherfucking matrix that this country tried to put you in. You do shit like that, you know what I'm saying? Um... Cause this shit is a matrix. It's a motherfucking matrix. It's shit going on behind scenes that you don't know about. People thinking this shit conspiracies, but the shit is real. That's why this shit rigged, and that's why we in pre- predicaments that we in. Cause this shit is rigged. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers, the powers that be, they to always be ahead as long as we fall in line. You know what I'm saying? They gonna feed you scraps, and you think motherfuckers think they doing good? They doing good relative to what motherfuckers. How, to, to how motherfuckers was doing back in the day. But we should be way ahead of where we at now. Wherever you think you at, you should be way ahead of, further ahead than that. But, you know, this year we getting scraps. We getting scraps. If Honestly, if you ain't running your own business or you ain't controlling your own destiny, you getting scraps. That's the way you look, should look at it. You might be satisfied with your scraps, but they scraps nonetheless. Got to do better. But on another note, let's switch notes. Because like I say, man, that's what my podcast is. I can do what the fuck I want. It's my podcast. So I can talk about what the fuck I want. I can switch notes. We can go from some righteous motherfucking civil rights, racism, cool shit that that nigga was on in the first segment. So now we're about to talk about some sex shit. Um, I was, I was listening to the Drink Champs uh, podcast, right? My man Nori. Fuck with Noriega. His uh, podcast, very entertaining. And he had Cam on that joint. Now, Cam did this joint episode a while ago, but I've been playing catch up. You know, I watch him, I listen to him in order because a lot of times some of them tie in together, they mention shit from the last episode and shit like that. So I just like to uh, watch him in order. So it took me a, listen to him in order. So it took me a minute to catch up to the Cam episode. But I finally caught up, right? And I was listening to it, because Cam do very, very good interviews. Very great interviews, you know what I'm saying? He's real candid, open, about everything he talks about. His interviews are great. Some of the best people, people that do the best interviews, is actually Nore. That's why I'm glad he got a podcast, because he do real good interviews. Him, actually him, and Fet Joe, were the first two motherfuckers that I really, really, Start noticing that did real good interviews because they, they tell a lot of shit that happened behind the scenes and in the industry and kind of let you in on a lot of their shit that they've been through. That you know, most people that do interviews and shit, they don't want to be telling too much of their business. So, you know, there a lot of them, a lot of them be kind of dry. But Fet Joe and Nori were the first ones, to my knowledge, to me. Based on me, because I've watched a lot of the Breakfast Club interviews and shit like that. They were the first ones that I really noticed and realized was real open. And just real, you know, it was real good. So, Noy, Fat Joe, and Cam. Cam Ron is a, uh, it's funny, all New York niggas, they do the best interviews. But, in Cam, you know, um, he do very, very good interviews. But he was on a joint, he was on a drink champs joint, right? And he was telling some story about some girl, I guess, that he met in his building. And he said he was on his little terrace. And it's a building. He said he live on a the, on the beach somewhere. Probably in Miami. I don't know where the fuck he live at. And he was saying that it's a girl that's on the terrace next to him, I think. Was, like, saying, like, I don't know if she was screaming over to him or whatever. But I don't know if she's white or Spanish. I don't know none of that. But she was saying, you know kind of confessing her love for him and you know, so many words and talking about she want to have his black baby, you know. So Cam was recording it. I guess he posted it on his social media and all that. Yeah, he said he posted it and he recorded it because he thought it was funny. So I guess, you know, after a while, he went, he hollered at the broad and got to know her and they started hanging out and shit. And I guess at some point they started fucking. So at some point, Maybe he kinda was distancing himself from her, or maybe he she probably tried to get in touch with him one day and she couldn't get in touch and she probably ain't like the way things was going. Maybe she couldn't get in touch with him after a couple days or what I don't know. He ain't really go too much in depth. But she showed up to his door banging on his door, yelling outside his door. He he recorded that. And he like, look at this. This chick, she, she acting crazy, man. So he yelling back at her through the door. He telling her he's going to get call security and this and that other. Right? So he kind of attributed some of this behavior about women towards him to a few different things, right? And one of the things that he said, <laughs> he was like, man, the third thing he said, because he said, when he finished this thing, he said, and that's number three, he said, Man, he's like, man, there's a niggas in this room, but I'm just gonna say this shit. You know, you know, I don't wanna book too much of my business out there with niggas in the room. But he said, man, when I fuck bras, I don't make love. I fuck, I fuck them. I beat bitches up. I'm rough, I'm real aggressive. You know what I'm saying? And when he said that, I totally related to that. You know what I'm saying? Because I tell it's like I just was telling my man Shane, we was having a conversation. Uh, real recent, it's funny, we had a conversation real recent, before I listened to that episode, and I was like, man, I was like, man, I don't really be, like, all that making love and all that shit, I don't, that that ain't really my thing, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I do it, I guess, if it makes sense, but I'm more of a rough nigga. I like to grab bronze by the fucking neck, you know what I'm saying? And control, I like to control the room, you know what I'm saying? Now, the thing is, I don't like to be I like you being controlled, but I like aggressive women too. I'm aggressive in the bedroom. I'm aggressive, you know what I'm saying? It's like cuz I feel like I'm the man. I'm the motherfucking man in the room. If it's me and you in the room, I'm the motherfucking man. I'm supposed to be the dominant one, you know what I'm saying? But I but I need a woman to be at least sexy though, you know what I'm saying? But I like uh I like you got to be seductive. So if I'm aggressive, a woman got to have a little seductive that's in them to make me want to be aggressive. Cause some women just be like super duper dry and just you know what I'm saying? Like two, it's like a such thing as too submissive. Like you gotta do everything. They ain't even giving you signs that they want you to bust a move, but they do want you bust a move. That shit not a turn off. I like seductive women, it's a fine line. But when it's time to get down. I'm the man. I'm the dominant one. I'm going to be the one in there grabbing you by the neck, telling you what the fuck to do and what I want you to do. And when I do certain shit, you know what I'm saying? If I'm sticking the thumb in your butt or some shit like that and you get to move and squirm, I'm going to grab you by your neck, tighter and tell you stop fucking moving and shit, man. Don't fucking move. You know what I'm saying? Don't no, shut the fuck up. Or if you complain about something, I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, that's me. That's just, you know, that's what I turn to. But I like women. That can also be aggressive back, though, because it make it a little interesting. You know what I'm saying? But um, I totally related to that shit. I totally related to Cam on that. I thought that shit was funny. I recorded that clip and posted that shit on my motherfucker 24 hours story. I'm I'm with you on that one, Cam. I'm with you 100. But yeah, but with that man said, I don't really do a whole bunch of no's. You know what I'm saying? I do what the fuck I want to do. We in the bedroom, I do what the fuck I want to do. I do whatever comes to my mind. You know what I'm saying? I might put my dick anywhere. Wherever I feel like I want to put it, I want to put that motherfucker in your ear. I'm going to try to do the shit. I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? I do whatever comes to my mind, especially if I'm off from drink. But that's a whole nother level right there. But, um, yeah, I don't really. So for real, you got to be a motherfucker that's kind of. Sort of with that shit, you know what I'm saying? Because like Cam said, Cam said, his exact words is, I beat bitches up in the bedroom. I'm just ultra aggressive. He said, you know, not on no crazy shit, uh, 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 a bitch got to want it. You know what I'm saying? You kind of got to be into that, sort of. You know what I'm saying? Like little roughhousing. We don't mean beat you up literally. It's just like, you know, like grab you by your neck, tossing you around, just, you know, like that shit you see on TV in the movies where they be fucking and knocking shit off to take that fake ass shit. But more realistic. You know what I'm saying? Like I ain't probably going to be throwing you on no motherfucking dressers, knocking my shit over. But I might grab you by your neck off the bed and bend your ass over, turn you around, bend your ass over the dresser. Shit like that, you know? But um, yeah, like I could be kind of turned off. Like because sometimes you have conversations, especially, you know, women like to have conversations about sex and shit. That's one thing I learned. Women do like to talk about sex. But if I'm having a conversation with a woman and I realize she's kind of a prude, you know what I'm saying? That she ain't really with a lot of shit, that already turned me off and I kind of started dissing myself. I already start making decisions, you know what I'm saying? It's key words and shit I be listening for that triggers me to let me know how far we gonna go, if we gonna get to that point or not. And um, so I kind of have an idea. For the most part, when I'm dealing with somebody with what they with, and what I mean by that is that they're going to be with, with whatever the fuck I want them to be with, because they already stepped into that domain, and we probably had kind of conversations to where I feel like we're on the same page, because I've never really had issues, too many issues. i probably here and there with, I mean, I have, but for the most part, most women that, that I've ever had sex with be with the shit. But it's kinda all, you know, it's in the air. You know who with the shit and who white, you know? But you it's a it's a void. It's a void. It's a motherfucking vibe. But um yeah man. Yeah, that's but that's me though. You know so I'm just I'm I'm aggressive like that. That's that's my whole thing. I'm not really into that little lubby dubby tongue kissing and caressing and all of that. You know what I'm saying? I ain't saying I'm totally against it, but that ain't my real MO. You know what I'm saying? It's the time and the place for all that. Nine times out of ten, I'm grabbing the motherfucker by the neck and saying some crazy shit in their ear and looking them in their eyes and saying some crazy shit, telling you, man, suck this dick. You know what I'm saying? Some shit like that. That's me all day. Another topic, um... So I'll be watching Marriage Boot Camp every now and then, right? It's it's one of them reality shows. I don't really watch a lot of reality shows, but I watch that mainly. It depends on the women that's on the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was one season where they had two women that I'm actually, oh, man, like, infatuated with. Uh, uh, Toya, you know, uh, Lil Wayne's baby mother, Toya, and this chick named British. Oh, I got a big crush on British. She was on uh like Love and Hip Hop or Basketball Wise LA. One of them, Love and Hip Hop LA or Basketball Basketball Wise LA, one of them joint. And I tuned in, saw her in there, and I had like a little crush on that joint. But these two motherfuckers was on one episode, I mean one season of Merge Boot Camp. So I was tuned in to that joint because of them. But um I'm watching the one. This season, I ain't watched it since because that came on a few years ago. I'm checking this one now. I'm not all the way invested into it, but I'm checking. I'm trying to hang in there because my man Nori on it. Him and his wife on the job, But also, you got a couple on there. You got the chick named Moni Love. I think she was a rapper back in the day or some shit like that. It's her and her dude. I don't know if they actually married, but I guess they having some issues, right? And... I guess he cheated on her 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And I guess they haven't been right since. She ain't really let that shit go. So, he got a problem. One of his issues with that is, you know, the fact that she, you know, he thinks it's old. You know, it's, it's old. She should be over it by now. But, you know, that's for her to determine whether she's over or not. Um, I will say that. That's up to her. You can't determine what she should be. Over or not over, um, when you did something to a person. But one thing that he blamed her for is his rap career because she was a rapper and she like she she older than him, like ten years older than him, maybe fifteen, some shit like that, but I think at least ten. And one of the things that he kind of hold over her that he blamed her for is his lack of success as a rapper. Cause he felt like she had plugs and from her connections from being a rapper, she could have put help put him on, at least gave him a better chance to make it. I, guess, I never heard of this nigga, so I guess I guess them days is pretty much number. But sh- her argument was, nigga, I'm not about to help you become a rapper after you done cheated on me. You cheated on me, so I ain't about to help you. And nigga, I'm still I'm mad about that. He looking at it like, if you so mad about it to where you can't help me prepare my career, then you shouldn't have took me back. And I was kind of looking at it from both point both points of view, and I kind of felt both of them. I ain't going to lie. To a certain extent, I definitely felt her because she like, nigga, I ain't about to help you, and you all here fucking these bitches. Fuck now, nah, you cheating on me, da, da, da. I ain't about to help you. In a profession, that's going to get you more bitches. And then him, he like, man, but why would you even take me back if you ain't going to let go of the past and we ain't going to move forward and try to, you know, advance in life? Ultimately, ultimately, though, I, I, I thought about it. I didn't really think a lot about it. It just jumped into my mind uh, this second. At the end of the day, he a grown-ass man. You know what I'm saying? And if he feel like she isn't helping him you know, properly or helping helping advance his career, that's not necessarily her job because man, when you come into this world, you you born alone. You know what I'm saying? You come into this world alone. I mean, you got parents and shit, and but at the end of the day, anything can happen and you can be on your own. So... He has a choice. This ain't really about her staying with him, but not advancing his career. If he feel that way about her or feel that strongly about her, he got the option to leave her motherfucking ass. He ain't got to stay with her. You know what I'm saying? If he feel like she ain't helping him or she's like a hindrance or a distraction from what he's trying to do or be in life, nigga, you got the choice to go. I understood you cheated on her. But, nigga, you don't owe her your motherfucking life because you fucking bras. Nah, nigga, nah. You don't owe her your motherfucking life. That's a decision. Now, if you like her enough or you love her enough to where you're hanging there and sacrifice your goals and ambitions, then that's on you. That's the decision you making. And it sounds like that's the decision you made. But, nigga, you don't owe her that. You know what I'm saying? You apologize and do whatever you can do to make up for whatever you did. But if she never forgive you, nigga, you got to keep it moving. So I just look at it at the end of the day. He had an option to hang in there. He could have rolled out and pursued his rap career if he felt like she was kinda in a way or she ain't help as much as he felt like she should have. But he, you know, him blaming blaming that on her. Like she said, you can't she was telling him, like, you can't blame me for what you did. And I'm not gonna help you become a rapper after you cheated on me. But nigga. You gotta sit down and weigh your options, and uh, and then, then you gotta make a decision. Cause I know if it was me, I ain't giving nobody that much. No, I don't, I don't believe I have that much faith in anybody to hang around them if I feel like they not helping me advance or 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 distraction or anything. I'm nah. Nobody don't get that power over me. I make mistakes just like she probably made mistakes. You, she ain't perfect. I'm sure she made her own mistakes, but if y'all gonna choose to be together, y'all got to put the past to the side at some point and and keep trucking. But if y'all gonna be together and motherfuckers holding on to the past and motherfuckers ain't gonna do this or do that because you did something to them ten years ago, that's some toxic shit. And main man should have rolled out if if he felt that strongly about it. Maybe he depended upon her or on her whatever, but that's on him. You know what I'm saying? But ultimately, nigga, you you your own man, you got to stand on your own two at the end of the day. If you got goals, aspirations, you got to chase and you can't let nobody stand in the way of that. Um that's my take on that shit. Damn, man. I heard the news about uh Henry Ruggs wide receiver for um the Oakland Raiders, well the the Vegas Raiders now. Man, yesterday I got the espn because i get the espn alerts um i got it set up to where like you know when anything big happened in sports i get alerts to my phone and it said that he um man he was involved in a dui accident car accident and it's looking like he was the cause of it in which a person That he ran into, I think they said he drove into the the back of a car or a truck or something like that. And somebody died. So it's like, man. Man, 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 man. That's when you like, that shit make you reevaluate shit. You know what I'm saying? All that drunk driving and shit because, I mean, he had everything going for him. You know what I'm saying? NFL player. I'm familiar with him, too, because he came, he played for Alabama. And they did, like, a little story on him because he kind of came up hard. You know what I'm saying? Kind of came up rough, like a one of those, you know, success stories, like he made it, you know, type of situation. And now he in the fucking pickle. Um, man, I hope that, uh, honestly, I hope that he don't, get like a maximum punishment because i saw on espn this morning they said that he could be facing from like two to 20 years and some other situation he going if he i don't know if he get charged with something lesser then i think vehicular manslaughter he can he can get like anywhere between a year and six years or something but whatever it is i just hope he get the minimum man you know what i'm saying it was a I, it was a mistake you know, I know somebody died, but it was a mistake. It ain't no need to, like, take two lives for it. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, he can get it. Hopefully, he can get his career back. I see the Raiders released him. I mean, they did what they had to do, of course. But just hopefully he can get his life back and get back on track, get another shot at this NFL thing. And, and you know, be able to take care of his family. Four generations, like he was kind of tracking towards that direction. Um, it's only his second year, young dude, man. Probably like showing his early twenties. So, man, I kind of wish, you know, you know, first of all, you first of all, you kind of, you know, wish well on the the person who died, family, and you kind of. Hope the best for rugs at the same time. That's just a little sad situation. All right, so next up, next up, let's talk about entrepreneurship. Um, I just think it's important. Everybody different. You know what I'm saying? Everybody different. Everybody got different roles in life. Um, first of all, I just say do whatever makes you happy. That's number one. Whatever makes you happy, that's what you do. Cause that, That's what life is ultimately about, being happy, because you're only here one time. Can't take none of this shit with you. So you might as well live this little life to the fullest. So whatever makes you happy, do that. And money, making money, having a lot of money might not necessarily be the thing that makes everybody happy. So don't follow trends. Follow your heart, follow your feelings and emotions, and go that route. But um, for people that do want to, you know, try to be financially stable or become an entrepreneur, uh, I think a lot got to do with, you just got to be brave. You know what I'm saying? You got to be brave. Uh, But I think this is what I recommend. Try to find something that you like doing. Because it's like a win-win situation. If you find something that you like doing, try to monetize that. Because if it don't necessarily work out, at least you learned the skill. And it's still a hobby. It ain't nothing that you really wasted your time doing. So, for example, like with me. I, I'm in the clothing. Like I, I don't buy a whole lot of clothes. You know what I'm saying? I, I really don't. I buy clothes when I need to. You know, I'm a little older, so I ain't really out here spending a whole bunch of money on clothes and shit. But I kind of pay attention to fashion a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A little bit. Uh, I learned a lot from women I used to deal with back in the day about how I should dress and the way my clothes should fit. that's one thing I learned. The most important thing about making your clothes look good is is having the right fit. Try on your shirt. If you're buying shirts and shit, try. don't just think every... You might wear, let's say, a large. Every company don't make their largest the same. So, with one company, a large might fit you perfectly. But if you buy another brand, a large might be a little bigger than somebody else's brand. So, it's just important to try on clothes. Uh, that's like... That That's something I can't stress enough. Try on your shirts and see which, which one fits you best. Try on the medium. Try on the extra large. Try whatever. Try the shit on and see what looks the best. Um, That is a big important part of clothing. You know what I'm saying? Um, And your jeans. You got to find your jeans fit. You know what I'm saying? Can't be wearing them big baggy jeans and shit like that. They got different sizes. You can get like skinny jeans or slim. Slim fit. And... Regular fit, of da Um Like me, I wear slim taper. I wear slim taper. So, like, at the bottom, my motherfucking bottom of my pants ain't hanging over my shoes because it's tapered, and, and they slim because I'm like a slim dude. I'm not I'm not stocky. So, my jeans, side, it took me a while to figure that shit out. You know what I Because mean? that shit, it, man, that shit take work. It's like a science. You know what I'm saying? You got to put some work in. But one of the businesses i Businesses I started right before COVID hit was a custom clothing business. It's called, you know, I ended up naming it Two Creative Clothing um, Customs, Two Creative Customs. Um, The reason I kind of got into that was because me and my man James, we was trying to start a, a, a contracting company and shit, you know, painting houses and shit like that, you know what I'm saying? home renovation, all that. So we was like, bam, we got to figure out a way to promote it. So I looked, I was like, we can make shirts, da, 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 you know, come up with a company name, put it on shirts, and, and and promote the company. So I went online to see companies that could make shirts for us and put our company logo on the jump. And when I looked it up, I saw the prices. I was like, man, god ah, damn, this shit got cost. So I was sitting there thinking, like, honestly, for the price of these shirts, we probably can take that money and buy the equipment, and make our own shirts, and that might end up being another business, you know what I'm saying, and if nothing else, I like everybody with shirts, you know what I'm saying, I mean, I will be having slogans and ideas I would want on a shirt, it'll be perfect if I can do my own shirts myself, you know what I'm saying, I got a t-shirt brand that I love, I love jockey Jockey, my favorite T-shirts, they fit me perfect. They fit me better than any other T-shirt I ever wore. So I'm like, man, I can put slogans and words on my T-shirt because that's mainly what I wear anyway. In the summertime, spring, summertime, when the weather break, I'm wearing T-shirts all the time, black, black tees or white tees. So now I can jazz them up and put, put motherfucking pictures and words and, and shit like that on it. So I end up just investing and buying, buying equipment. I bought a heat press machine, and mind you, I'm not knowing nothing about this shit. That's why I recommend some people. They recommend doing a lot of research before you jump into some shit. Me, I I feel like, man, fuck it. If you got an idea, jump into it and learn on the go. Because if you keep doing research, you'll never you'll never do the shit. Because you maybe find the obstacles that you be like, oh man, fuck. Uh, that may discourage you. Oh, this this costs that much. Or this and that. You might do a lot of research and realize you got like 30 steps in order to complete your mission but once you I feel like if you jump into it you make yourself do it and probably ain't no turning back you know what I'm saying so I I wouldn't have brought a heat press machine without knowing nothing and honestly a heat press machine was damn near probably the last thing I was supposed to get but I brought a heat press machine and then I'm just trying to figure out how to get images and shit on a shirt. So once I bought the machine, it really wasn't no turning back. And as you come to each obstacle, whatever you want to do, you're going to research it because you ain't going to know how to do it. You can go on YouTube, go on the internet, Google some shit, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I did. It's like, I ain't know how to put images and words on the shirt, da da da. And I'm on social media. Thank goodness for social media too. Because another thing I did, I was like chronicling everything I was doing. On my 25 hour story, and it was people on my 25 hour story that would, you know, watch my shit that may have an idea of what I'm trying to do and would give me information like, "Oh, you need this, you need that." Like my friend, uh, my girl, uh, Woo Woo, she was the one that told me I needed a cutter. I'm like, man, I don't even know how to put no words on the shirt. Da da da. I'm looking on uh, YouTube and they not really explaining it perfectly exactly how they getting the words on the shirt. I'm looking up shit. They just already showing the cut out letters and showing how to press it on the shirt. But I'm like, how you get these letters cut out? And then Woo was on the jump, like, she saw my 24-hour story as I'm trying to figure out how to do this shit. And she was like, oh, you need a cricket. I didn't know what the fuck a cricket was. Did some research like, oh, it was a cutting machine. Boom, they cut letters out. Boom, when they bought me a cricket, had the heat press. And the rest was history, really. You know what I'm saying? Then I would just start making shit, come fucking around with shirts, making shit. I'd be on my 25-hour story creating shit, blah, blah, blah. And then people would see what I'm doing. And they'd be like, oh, you make shirts? Hey, I need a shirt for this. My birthday coming up. Can you put this on the shirt? Boom, 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 boom. boom. And it's just going and going and going. And I'm learning as I go. And people, thankful, and, and I'm blessed for the people that I'm friends with on my social media friends and all that because they took a chance on me. They supported me. That's what it was. It was support because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing really. You know what I'm saying? I'm a thousand times. I consider myself like an expert now, but I was a novice then. But I wasn't afraid to make mistakes on the journey because you, if people feel like they're on a journey with you, they're going to support you. You know what I'm saying? That's why sometimes it ain't really... You got to humble yourself and not be afraid to laugh at yourself and shit like that because people don't mind. People like helping you, whether you know it or not, A lot of people like helping. You got some haters out there, but a lot of people like helping you, especially if you're a cool person. You know what I'm saying? If you if you ain't really got no ego, you know what I'm saying? People will help you out. So I had a lot of help from social media. I did a lot of researching and this and that and that and I just turned like something that was like a hobby to me and to something lucrative because once people start asking you for shit, because what you do in the beginning is just make shit for yourself first and make shit for people that's close to you. I would look at people, especially when COVID hit, it was perfect. Everything was perfect timing for me. I ain't gonna front COVID hit. We had to wear masks. I'm sitting there thinking like, man, how can we jazz these masks up? Because everybody want to wear masks, but I know they're gonna want some shit on it. I was like really on that wave, one of the first people to jump on that wave. You know what I'm saying? Customizing shit. So I'm like, I'll look at a person and look at their face and see how they look with a mask on. I'll be like, dog, if I made you a mask with X, Y, Z on it, I think you'll look good in it. So I'm looking at people and sizing them up determining whether they will look good or looking at them like, I think you'll look good with this. If I made this for you, this is that. And once they wear it and look good in it, people around them are going to ask them where they get it from, and they're going to refer them back to me. And the thing is, you can start me. I, I recommend start doing shit for free. Like when you go into Costco's or the grocery store, a lot of companies give you samples. Because if you like it, you'll come back and buy it. Now, that's the thing. I was making shit for free. But when somebody comes, some people will be like, man, I don't even know how to go about charging people to do something. Like that ain't my personality, making something and charging them. But you ain't necessarily got to, that's like half the battle of trying to come up with a way to charge people. The way to get to that point is by creating some shit and putting your ideas out there. Do samples, do shit for free. Because once somebody comes to you, it's easier to charge them versus you going to somebody and telling them you got a product that you want to sell them. Have them come to you. Because if a person comes to you, they already know that they most likely got to pay. You know what I'm saying? So you do shit and put your product out there for free. Make yourself, your, you know what I'm saying, promote your own product or maybe, you know, get people that you think will be a good look to promote your product. Give them some free shit, blah, 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 and, and go from there. But I did that, man. I jumped out there with this clothing shit, and the rest is like history. You know what I'm saying? I just started making money 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 i'm getting you know my fucking uh business left and right i got like uh consistent uh customers and shit um my man Aki, he's plum life he, he a plumber he started a clothing called uh plum life i love his uh logo too it's like a heart and inside the heart it got like all these diagrams like a uh, a faucet and water and everything represents something because water is life and all. You had to holler at him and let him explain it to you. Um, he got the company called Burke Plumbing also. He got the plumbing company. He's trying to do a clothing company. And that's another thing. You start rubbing elbows with people that's like on the same page and got the same vision as you. You know what I'm saying? Once you kind of become an entrepreneur. But you gotta have you gotta have the belief in yourself. Because some people may poo-poo whatever idea you got, but once you do it enough and be consistent with it, people adapt. It's all about consistency. You got to continue and constantly do whatever idea you came up with. Because once people see it enough, they're going to know you for that. Like, when I walk the streets and people know who I am, I'm known as the shirt guy. I'm sure they be like, when people see me, instead of me just being wet. Now people are like, "Oh yeah, he makes shirts and shit," and and I and I, I I I I went from just making strictly shirts and masks. Then I went ahead and learned how to make hats. And I invested into a hat machine, a hat press, so now I can put images and shit on hats. You know what I'm saying? And I came up with this idea of putting the DC flag with whatever section of the city you're from on a hat, and that joint started thumping. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like just believing yourself, promote your shit. At the very least, whatever you went to. You know what I'm saying? If you like to eat, if you like to cook, chronicle yourself cooking. Just, if you, if you think you're a good cook, go on, the, go on the internet, YouTube, learn how to plate your shit. Meaning, put your shit on a plate, get you some, invest in some pretty plates. Learn how to place your shit on a plate to make it look, you know, like art. Boom. And chronicle and and, we, and take pictures of that shit, post it, and chronicle yourself going through the process of learning this shit. Go to your twenty four hour story because people like your journey. People like to watch your journey. Record yourself cooking. Talk to the people. Just you just put yourself out there, and that, and that's all it is. You gotta believe in yourself because at the end of the day, we out here working for people, and you getting probably like one percent. Of the money that you make in these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? So if you learn how to work for yourself and promote yourself and expand, you could possibly make, you can make a hundred percent of everything that you profiting off of. That all everything is yours, which means you probably working right now for you to make a hundred dollars a day. You probably gotta work, you gotta work like eight hours. Let's just throw them out there. When if you work for yourself, you probably can work one hour, 30 minutes, and come up with a product or whatever, whether it's a cooking, some meals for somebody or something like that. You can make that $100 in an hour. You can make the money that you're working at a nine to five. You can make that money on your own working probably four months out of the year instead of working 12 months out of the year. So, I don't know. Just want to put that out there, man. If you got a goal, if you got a hobby, just put it out there in the world. And somebody may bite. Just try to perfect it and keep doing it. Put it out there in the world. Promote yourself. And you never know, man. You never know. So, um, your man Dave Chappelle. Old Dave Chappelle, he sprung up. Show up on us out of nowhere. Um I got an email from my friend. But she got an email. She sent me the link from Ticketmasters. Showing that Dave Chappelle got a motherfucking show at the Capital One Arena on November 23rd. And I'm like, I ain't hear about this. I don't listen to the radio. So I don't know if this shit was already promoted on the radio. I listen to... When I get in the car... I listen to my, uh, I'm even listening to sports, uh, radio or I'm listening to the music off my phone. I never, I, I ain't listening to the regular radio in years. So i be missing out on a lot of these shows they be, be promoting on the radio. So, um, she sent me this link and shit to Ticketmasters saying that Dave Chappelle got a show coming up on the 23rd of November. So, I texted her back, like, is this some new shit? This shit been out? Like, did people know that he was doing a tour? Like, what's up? She was like, now she was like, I don't know. I just got the link in my email today. So, I was like, okay, we'll bet. I am sitting there like, man, I I need to go to this motherfucker. Like, I ain't seen Dave Chappelle in person. Um, This nigga be taking these crazy-ass hiatuses and shit. So, you don't know when the next time you might see this nigga or he might come around. Who knows? Then he be doing these little small venues. The smaller the venue, the higher the ticket price. Like, man, because the last time he was here, he was at the Anthem down there at the Wharf. And them tickets was like $1,000 a watt. Like, man, I ain't got no $1,000 to be giving this nigga right now. So, you know, this one, I ended up jumping out there and buying, buying some tickets. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like... The whole thing about it is you got to fucking either have a shot, the little COVID shot, or you got to get tested within 48 hours of the event. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't have the shot. I never got the shot, the COVID shit. I'm one of them skeptics. Like, I want to let everybody else get that motherfucker so I can see how it affects them. They want to jump out there and get it. I don't really trust the government like that, all this shit. It's kind of suspect to me. So, um, I'm like, I ain't fuck with the shot. But, as time goes on, I'm kind of leaning towards getting this motherfucker at some point. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to lie. I think I'm going to end up getting it. Um, Motherfuckers ain't transmuted into anything yet. I mean, maybe maybe we will turn into some shit later down the line. I don't know. Um, But, I ain't... I ain't got the shit. But all all in all, in order to get into this event, you got to either have the shot or you got to be tested within 48 hours of the event. So they got this type of, they got this app that's connected with the Capital One Arena. Because the thing he's doing it at the Capital One, which is cool too because, you know, the Capital One, that's where the Wizards play and the the Cavaliers play. Uh, it's a big ass arena, which means more people are gonna be there, which means the ticket prices won't be a thousand dollars a watt. Since it's gonna be a lot more, since it can hold a lot more people. So I'm like, man, okay, you know, I'm gonna fuck with this joint. Jumped you got the tickets, and uh, now I'm trying to figure out how to work this motherfucking app because it's like you got to link the app to your phone. And then if you get the test, like me, I don't got the shot, so I got to get the test. I got to figure out uh, how to link my motherfucking test to the app. Man, this shit was all a motherfucking headache, man. Um, I'm trying to figure this shit out all yesterday, navigate through this dumbass app. Joint called Clear. The app is called Clear. It's showing me all these different uh, medical providers that I could possibly use and... And because on my actually on the block where I live at, there is a, a booth where you can get tested at. The joint is called Curative. C-U-R-A-T-I-V-E. And I'm like, okay. And I've got tested there before. So I'm trying to type in curative into the link on this app to see if they count as one of the providers. The joint not coming up. I'm like, man, what the fuck, man? This shit's stupid. So I woke up early this morning fucking with the shit. And coincidentally, luckily, I figured out how to do the shit because they give you a list of possible providers that I guess like the most popular ones that most people would use if you are getting tested. And I didn't recognize none of them. It was like four or five different companies that you can go through to get tested. And I ain't recognized none of these motherfuckers. I'm trying to put it in the motherfucking clinic that I go to, the doctor's office that I go to and try to see if they're to pop up just in case if I go to them and get tested, I can use their link and put it into this app to show that I got tested and whatever and show my results. That shit ain't popping up. So the way I figured it out, I got like a pile of mail sitting by my shredder. And I just go through it. Each day, I try to go through a little bits and pieces of it, open it, and then shred, you know, the useless shit. And this morning, coincidentally, I happened to go through my shit, and I, and I saw a bill, a doctor's bill from a few months ago. <laughs> and it was like past due, you know what I'm saying? Something slight like $15. And I look on the jump, and on the bill, when I open up the envelope, And it had the actual bill. And then, you know, I got an envelope in there that you can put your bill in and mail it off. At the top corner, it had LabCorp on it. And I was like, damn, that look familiar. So I go back to the Clear app and I looked up the list of providers, most popular providers that you can go through. And damn sure one of them was LabCorp. I was like, oh, cool. So, that means that the actual doctor's office that I go to, they use LabCorp to get their results, to submit their whatever, like blood samples and probably COVID samples and shit like that. They go through LabCorp. See, I didn't necessarily know how that shit worked. It ain't the actual fucking company, the doctor's office that I got to put in. I got to put in the company that, that does the fucking... Uh, testing on on the fucking samples and shit. So now I kind of know what to do. Kind of glad I got this shit out of the way. So now I got to schedule a fucking uh, test within 48 hours of this uh, of this event. So I guess I'll go and try to get tested on the 21st um, so I can be good to go for this Dave Chappelle thing. I think it's supposed to be like a I don't even know exactly what it is. I don't think it's a stand-up comedy joint. Um, cause on it, it says, I guess he got a documentary coming out and it said it's going, it's for the screening of this documentary. I'm assuming he going to be there, probably crack a few jokes and shit like that. But I think it's mainly going to be the screening of this documentary. We get to watch and shit like that. So I don't know. I hope it's going to be good. It better be good for the prices I paid for these motherfucking tickets. Um, so we'll see how that go, And when I do that, I'll let y'all know what I think about that. That's, today is the 4th. So that's about two, three weeks from now. So today is uh, Sunday, November the 7th, right? So yesterday, man, I went to the No Limit uh, reunion show down Constitution Hall. Uh, I was wanting to go. I kind of wanted to go. But I wasn't super anxious to go, honestly. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I just wasn't super anxious to go for some reason. And I grew up a big No Limit fan. A big fan. Huge fan just like, you know, everybody did. But it's like, man, for some reason, some of them niggas I wasn't really a big fan of, honestly. I was a fan of them in a the moment back then because it was like a fad. But... I just wasn't super anxious. I don't know why, but what changed my mind on it was that my favorite rapper of all time got released from prison uh, earlier this year. Um, Mac, Mac is—he was a part of the No Limit crew. Um, he put out the two albums, Shell Shocked and World War Three. Man, he's my favorite rapper of all time. Like his lyrics. Um, I felt like it was ahead of his time. And his shit kind of just moved me. His lyrics and shit moved me more than anybody that I've really listened to. I mean, down to the Tupacs, the Biggies, all of them. You know, it's all subjective. It's all in who lyrics and music moves you. And his shit just always moved me and touched me. But back in 2000, he got convicted of a murder and sentenced to, uh, I think, a life in prison. You know what I'm saying? And that shit fucked me up, tough, because I'm like, damn, you know, it's like his music, every verse he ever did, his albums, whatever he was featured on with No Limit, everything just kind of touched me. And then he was just raw. So when he got out and No Limit was doing his show, it it made me wonder, like, damn, is he going to be a part of the show? Because I don't know. You know, a lot of niggas, they be getting out of prison and shit, and they be wanting to lay low. They be wanting to lay low and just relax and get their life together you know what i'm saying so i'm like man i don't know if he gonna get out and just hit the ground running so as this show you know as they touring he ended up developing he ended up making an instagram page that i follow that joke so he the only like you know like public figure that i follow besides wallow i follow wallow you know that's with gilly gilly folks and when Mac came, I followed Mac. He the only other person I follow. So um, when No Limit was going to Detroit to do their show, I went to Mac page, and he was like, yeah, what's up? You know, he did like a little 25-hour story. and was like, yeah, what's up, Detroit? I'll be in your town. Can't wait to see you there, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, oh, so he doing shows with these niggas? He doing shows. But I wasn't sure if he was doing every show. I didn't know. But I just assumed at some point that he was going to be in D.C. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm just going to assume and jump out there. So eventually, I eventually bought a ticket. Um, Bought two tickets. Me and my friend went. um, And they was in Baltimore on the 5th, which was Friday. And they was going to be in D.C. on the 6th, which was Saturday. So I went to, I saw that he posted on his 24-hour story that he was going to be in Baltimore. So that really pretty much stamped it. But I had already bought the tickets already. So I'm like, okay, fuck, he going to be in Baltimore. Boom. He got to be in D.C. You know what I'm saying? But it still wasn't stamped. Me knowing He going to be on the, on, the, on, the, on the bill. I would have gave my last to go. I just wanted to know for a fact. So, like, I think either the night of or the morning, I think it was the morning of, I went to his page, look at his 24-hour story. And he posted the flyer on his 24-hour story. And he was added to the flyer on there with Master P, Miss Silk, and all of them. So I was just like super-duper excited about that, man. So I went. The show started at 8 o'clock. Um, I'm in a house pre-gaming and shit, drinking tequila and all this shit. My friend came over. We over there drinking and shit. She drinking. We taking shots, getting ready for this show. Go to the joint. The joint down Constitution Hall. Um, you see everybody walking up to the joint with uh, they camouflage shit on. One nigga, this nigga, has, he had the whole thing. He had the pants, the hat, the motherfucking shirt. This nigga look old as shit, crippling, like wobbling down the street by himself. i was like, man, this shit about to be real. I found me a good parking spot. I ain't really had to do too much looking. Got lucky, found me a good parking spot, everything. Went up in the jump. When we went in, right... Um, uh, we had these seats, right? And I'm, the, the seats that they had us in, I didn't like. I'm like, dog, we can be. We was like right beside the stage, but in the balcony. But it wasn't a good view because you like right beside the stage. You don't want to be beside the stage facing the side of the joint. You want to be facing the front of it, like at least at an angle at the very least. And those are seats that I, I thought I bought. But we walked up. We saw the little dude that was directing people and everything. I showed him the ticket. And he was like, yeah, you over here, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, man, this don't seem right. This don't look like the seats I bought from the diagram when I ordered them off Ticketmaster. So I'm looking, I'm like, man, looking at the joke, I was in Section D. That's the ticket I bought, Section D. am like, this can't be Section D, because there's only one section to the right of us, which would have been A. So I'm like, this got to be B. So I'm like, you know what, maybe the dude thought I said B instead of D. So... Cause I was, t- I had the mask on and I was telling him, you know, I had the ticket on my phone. It looked like he ain't really look at the shit on my phone. He was more so listening to me. So I told him, I told my friend, I said, look, see here, I'm going to go and make sure we in the right one. Cause this can't be it. This, this don't look like the seats that I bought. Boom. Told the dude, dude was like, yeah, y'all in B as in boy. I said, bet. No, I got tickets for section D. He said, oh, D over there. Boom. Got up, move. Thank God got our seats. Way better seats. Way better seats, man. Um, The show starts. The first act that came out was Mr. Servon. Mr. Servon was kind of whack. I ain't gonna lie. He was whack. I was like, man, is this how this show gonna be? I know uh, I never was a big Mr. Servon fan, but I like, I like No Limit. A lot of them artists, because they had them motherfucking beats. They had the production, Beats by the Pound, KLC. KLC was there, too. He was one of the DJs. They had two DJs there. KLC was one of them. KLC was that nigga, you know what I'm saying? When KLC left and Beats by the Pound and them left, that's when No Limit kind of started going down. It was the motherfucking Beats. But um, there was the Servo on, man. I used to listen to his shit. And I kind of was rocking with him a little bit because everybody else was rocking with him. He's from D.C., too. He grew up in New Orleans, but he was born in DC. So he came out there rapping that shit, blah, blah, blah. But his set was kind of whack. I ain't really feel it. I'm like, man, I hope the rest of this night don't go like this. Fucking with motherfucking Servon. All right, so next, after Mr. Servon uh, was done, then your man Fiend came out. Man, Fiend. <laughs> Fiend, is a, Fiend is a legend. Fiend was definitely one of the best on No Limit. I'm sure he was a lot of people's favorites back then. Definitely one of my favorites. Not the favorite, but one of my favorites for sure. He was a beast. He came out, (laughs) this nigga came out right. He had two dudes on stage that had bottles. And they had like, one of them had like a bottle of Patron. Big ass bottle too. One of them had like a bottle of Hennessy. They pour shots and shit to people in the front row. If you had a cup and you was up there with your cup, holding your cup up to the stage, they would come over to you and pour you some shit in your cup. You know what I'm saying? That shit that shit was wild. I ain't never seen that before. Um But Fiend, man, Fiend tore the John down. Um uh, That really, really he really set it off, you know what I'm saying? Um What Johnny played? He played the uh he played one joint, uh damn. That's why I talk it like I bring it, what? Bring it like I talk it, what? The life we live, some niggas are scared to walk it. That joint, oh man, that joint was, mad. He had the whole crowd going off of that. Uh, after him, he went on, then Silk the Shocker came out. Now Silk, I was never, like, a real big Silk the Shocker fan. i go ahead and say that. I wasn't, like, the biggest Silk the Shocker fan. Um. That rapping off beat shit, uh, I can never get with that. But I know a lot of people that was Silk the Shocker fans. A lot of girls liked him because they liked the way he looked. He was the young nigga in the crew. All that. But I was never a Silk fan, so I ain't really know what to expect from him. I ain't really expect him to be that great. Um. But I was pleasantly surprised. Silk the Sharker came out that job rocking. He had the crowd for sure, cause like I said, he he got fans. A lot of people went went to see Silk. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people wanted to go to see Silk. He came out there with so much energy, man. He still he was bouncing around like he was a young nigga. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna lie. He he job was rocking. He had one song with my fucking what's the joke here? with mystical. And I can't think some of these songs I can't think of off the top. But he had a song with Mystical. And Mystical came out and performed it with him. Which was a shocker because a lot of them had songs with each other. But like when Fiend was performing, he'd perform one of his verses, then he performed the hook, and then when it was like somebody else's turn to perform, they just switched to another song. Like somebody else that was part of No Limit, that probably was that was in the building, they ain't come out to perform. So when Silk performed, and he performed the song with Mystical, most of us probably didn't think that Mystical was going to come out and perform his verse, but he did. And when Mystical came out to perform his verse, the crowd went crazy. You know what I'm saying? The crowd went crazy. That's what, Now, that, that, that takes us to Mystical. Mystical was, he had the crowd. He was like the fan favorite. He brought the most energy. I can tell he was who everybody really came to see. For me, Mystical wasn't, he wasn't one of my favorites either. I wasn't no big Mystical fan because that, all that yelling and shit and all that, I, and I didn't really understand what he was saying. I, I couldn't really get with that. I like Mac. You know what I'm saying? I like people like Mac and Nas and them. Like people, I can hear what they saying. and they on beat. I'm really paying attention to their lyrics. Um, Those are the type of rappers I like. I didn't really like Mystical. I like DMX, but I feel like DMX, even though he had that raspy voice and all that yelling and shit, I still could understand what he's saying. So Mystical wasn't really my guy. But man, he, I ain't gonna front. He was the best one. If I had to pick a person, Mystical was the best one. Bitches jumping on stage and shit. Like he came out there. When he came out there to perform with Silk, a broad jumped on stage, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they had to lift her up like a baby. They lift her up and put her right back in the crowd and shit. But some broad jumped on stage. Um, when he came out to actually do his set, man, he had about three, four broads jump on stage, man. The shit was crazy. Security was all around trying to get these broads off stage. Misco told the motherfucking security, leave the chicks alone. Man, leave them alone. But, you know, everybody, everybody kind of worried because you know miss gonna be getting in trouble fucking with these bras man you know what i'm saying he didn't did a long ass stretch fucking with these chicks so motherfuckers you know rightfully rightfully so was kind of on edge with him and these bras on stage but uh he did his thing man he danced with a couple of them and you know had security you know respectfully put them back in the motherfucking crowd but uh Mystical man, he motherfucking said that joint off. Uh, Mia X, Mia X was a beast too. To me, it was a toss up between Mia X and Mystical. Who was the best? Mia X was a beast. Her voice still sounded the same. Um, she pulled a Jadakiss jump, like Jadakiss was doing in the verses. She was she wasn't rapping over top of her shit. She was really, really you know what I'm saying, literally rapping. You know what I'm saying. Um, she was she was a beast. I ain't gonna front. She was real good. She had the crowd too. The crowd was hype. Um I liked it. I was I was a Mia X fan. Mia X was good. She was really good. Um coming up. Lyrical. She was like killing them beats. She was a beast. Uh she showed she showed off at that uh show. Um Who else, man? After Mia X. I'm trying to remember, I think. Mia X, I don't know, I might have the order wrong. Then Mia X, Mia X came out before Silk. It was it was Mr. Servone Fiend, then Mia X, then Silk, then Mystical. And after Mystical came Master P. Motherfucker Master P man. (laughs) Master P funny as shit. One thing about P, man. One thing I learned about and realized about Pete after I got older. Man, so P's a motherfucking Bama, dog, Like it like the little, I watched his little behind the music special and all that shit. I couldn't believe we were fucking. I don't know how the fuck he got popular and all that. He was a cold BAMA back in the day, man. Uh he came on that joke. I he I felt like he kinda sucked the energy out of the building slightly. Cause he came out there with the, these dancers and shit and all this smoke. And, like, he had the women dancers. It was cool, but it just felt like it just didn't go with the vibe with everybody else there. I think he'd have been better off just coming out by himself. Then he had the niggas dancers. The, he had some niggas in the back dancing. And then they doing all these, like, pop locking, contorting their body in all these ways. And, all man, I could have did without all that shit. I ain't going to Um... So I'm trying to I'm trying to stay energetic cause Mr. was a tough act to follow. I ain't gonna lie, you ain't want to follow, you don't want to follow him. That's why people I felt like he had to come out there with all that crazy shit, but I don't think he really had to. You know what I'm saying? He should just came out there on like nigga I'm P. Just came out there jumping on his master P shit, like man I'm P. Like you know what I'm saying? That's how everybody else did. But um, he kind of he played like. Two songs, because he came out on what? Bowdy Bowdy, it, I think. We bowdy it, Bowdy, it. We bowdy it, by. Bowed it. I think that's that's the song he came out on. And, uh... He was doing all this running and bouncing around. I couldn't believe he had all that energy. It was just so crazy. It was like his energy. His energy was crazy. I'm like, this old-ass nigga doing all this running around, running to one place. This nigga was like on a motherfucking treadmill. But he, uh... Well, he kind of got the crowd back that I think everybody was really feeling and was on board was when he hit, Mr. Ice Cream Man, Mr. Ice Cream Man. <laughs> he hit that joint. Everybody, he got, had everybody rocking at that joint. That's when he got the crowd back. Uh, he did his thing. Then he brought out, uh, that's when he brought out Matt. That's when he brought out motherfucking Mac. That's who I came to motherfucking see. I made a shirt that had Mac. That joint came out just sweet, too. Like metallic green, kind of to represent like a military green. Then it had beige. I had the word. So I had Mac, the word Mac and military green. Metallic, and that joint was kind of big on the shirt. Then I had uh, motherfucker, the name of his two albums he came out with, Shell Shop and... World War Three in like a tan, they kind of match the military colors, camouflage military tan type of shit. I, so motherfuckers knew why I was there. You know what I'm saying? That nigga came out. That shit was a bucket list. Um, I never thought I would ever see my man Mac perform. Uh, cause he got you know he went to jail for murder. Back in 2000. So. I never thought i ever seen him before. When he, when he went to jail, when he went to prison, that shit devastated me. You know what I'm saying? Because he was the rapper that I really related to and felt more than any rapper I ever really listened to. I like rappers. I'll be feeling rappers. You know what I'm saying? I was fucking with Nas back in the day. Tupac. Love Tupac. Uh, my favorite rapper these days is like Rick Ross. You know? Rick Ross is just a vibe. I like Rick Ross' vibe. He... He make the type of music that I would want to be the soundtrack of my life. Like, I want to live the type of life that represents the music that he make. You know what I'm saying? But Mac, his lyrics, like, touched me. Like, it's like I related to a lot of his lyrics and shit. Um, he was just, man, he, he, I feel like he was ahead of his time. He was just so fucking good. So when he got locked out, I just couldn't believe, like... Like, I ain't going to never hear no more music, no new music from this nigga. Like, and I just always, like, every platform, that music platform came out, the first thing I go do, dude, they got Mac album. Like, when I got on iTunes, dude, they got Mac album. Let me motherfucker download his shit. First thing I do, go to find Mac, download his shit to my shit. You know what I'm saying? Motherfucking was receipt, man. And it's just like, man, that nigga, that's my nigga right there. So when he came on, I was getting nervous because I'm like... It was getting towards the end of the show. I was like, ain't nobody coming out to Master P. Is Mac here? Is he on some type of motherfucking parole? Is this curfew? Like, do we got a curfew? Like, what the fuck is going on? You know what I'm saying? But P brought him out, like, in the middle of his set. He came out, man. Lord, man. Man, that shit was a moment. Uh, That shit was a motherfucking moment. He performed. The crowd was fucking with him. Everybody was fucking with Mac. Uh, he played. He, he, he performed like three songs. Uh, I was just so excited, just to see him perform. He could have just performed one song. Just to see him perform was just that was special for me. I ain't gonna lie, that was special for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, he performed them, Man, the people with our motherfucking chopper style. Chopper style, chop, chop, chopper style, chopper style, chopper style, he probably had a pound for pound the best performance there. He had the whole crowd going crazy. He ripped that job too. His stage presence, his performance, his voice, everything. He he was like a 10. He was a level 10 performer for that one. He only performed that one song because that's probably the only fucking song he got. But he murdered that, I ain't going to lie. I was like, damn, chopper style. Some of these motherfuckers, that's what I realized. Some of these people I might not be fans of, or you might not be fans of their music. Their, but some people are better performers. Like the Shocker, he was a way better performer. After watching all these motherfuckers, I went and downloaded their shit. Like, I ain't even download the Shocker shit. I ain't had this shit downloaded to my phone. Because I'm not a big fan of his, but he was performing some songs. I was like, damn, you do got that song. And then his energy made me want to listen to him. So I downloaded all that shit. But um, Master Preco, he closed it out with the make him say, uh, nah, 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 nah. You know, because like damn near the whole No Limit is on that song. All of them came out and, and, and was on the stage for that last song. It was a man. All in all, it was a good ass song. It was a good show. One of the best shows I've ever been to. Top two. Between that and the U2 show, the U2 show, that shit was like a bucket list for me too. That motherfucker U2 joint, oh man, that shit was, that shit was amazing. Uh, this and that job was like a toss up. The U2 show might have been a little better for me, cause I was like on my feet for the whole show. That job was at the Capital One Arena. It was just so. It was like a big spectacle. It just that shit was just amazing. But them no limit Jones was right neck and it was neck and neck. I ain't gonna front, neck and neck. But overall, man, I would go back. Whenever they come back, I probably go again for sure. If Matt, as long as if Matt gonna be home and he touring with these niggas, I'm gonna be there for sure. I would recommend cause they came last year in November. I mean in, in January. Like right before the COVID shit really, really took over. Cause honestly, no limit is what got me really started in the fucking custom clothing game, the shirt-making game. I had the equipment and shit, but I started making my first sales and getting my first orders when No Limit Show came to town because people was hitting me up, asking me could I make shirts for them to go to that show. And that's what really got the ball rolling because I would make shirts. And it was like I was like, like faced with tasks that I had never done before. So I, I was learning in the process. And I was posting my shit on a 24-hour story on Instagram and Facebook. And people that put it out there for me, for people to know that I do the shit. And then it just kind of took off from there. So really thankful to the No Limit Show when they came back in January of 2020. That's how I really got the ball rolling with this custom clothing shit. So um, I heard the show was real good then. You know what I'm saying? But they ain't had Mac then because Mac was still locked up. So whenever they come to town... I'll be there. My man Mac gonna be there, I'll be there. And uh we're gonna close this uh podcast episode out on that right there. Um Thanks for tuning in. You know, we're gonna keep this thing going. I ain't talking about the Redskins cause they ain't even played this week, they had a bye week. They play this week coming up Sunday. Um they played the uh Bucks. Probably gonna be an L. But you never know. Ron Rivera, his team's here second half of the season coach all his teams play better in the second half of the season so who knows i'm not counting them out until they out football is just one of them funny sports you know what i'm saying the teams that start out good don't necessarily always end good basketball is one of the sports it seems like for the most part the good teams are good all you know for, for the for the whole year the bad team's pretty bad for the whole year football is different you know what i'm saying it'd be a lot of teams that'd be bummy in the beginning For the first half of the season. And turn it on. And vice versa. So we'll talk about that shit when Sunday hit. Man, thanks for tuning in. Um, You know, I got more shit to talk about. I got a billion topics. I'm going to get off my chest. Piece by piece. Slowly but surely. Um, And, you know, chase your dreams. You know, I'm going to just keep doing the podcast. I like putting shit out there in the air. We only here once. I want to leave a trail behind me. You know what I'm saying? If anybody want to know anything about me. When I'm gone, they can just. Either I got music, I did music, I got the podcast, I got social media, I'm leaving a little legacy behind. I don't want to die and just be gone, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I want to I use, utilize all my talents that I have because, you know, some of these talents are God-given talents. And I feel like I'm good at this podcast shit a little bit. People was telling me to do it. I'm listening to the people and I thank everybody that's checking this shit out. So... Like I say, if you got any goals you want to accomplish, go for it. We only hit one time, one turn to burn. You never know. Give yourself a shot. Just be consistent with it, and you'll make it. It's consistency is the key. Keep doing it and do what you love. And as I say every episode, shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon. Because if you miss, at least you'll land amongst the stars. And I'm out.